Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This is episode number 236. Uh, on this episode, we are talking with one of my absolute favorite guests that we've had on the show through the years. Uh, we're sitting down with race director, athlete, just all around awesome human being, Candace Burt. Uh, on this episode, really what we dive into is kind of all the adventures and misadventures from 2020 and you know the lessons learned along the way um i really truly enjoy sitting down and talking with candace because one i'm just fascinated by her she's just a complete badass ultra runner uh but she's also the race director of the uh triple crown of 200s she's she runs destination trails and to me, she's just such a wonderful role model for someone who sets insanely audacious goals and actually goes out and works to achieve them, you know? I mean, and we all see her, we all see the results, right? Like we all see um, the 200 mile races that she puts on every year, um, but we don't really get to see the day-to-day grind that goes into them. And I think that is such an important perspective to kind of like understand. One of my favorite ideas is that if you're taking these small steps consistently in the same direction, that's like ultimately going to lead you to accomplishing whatever goal you're setting out for. And it's just funny, like, you know, when we're talking about ultra running, like it's the most obvious lesson ever where it's like yes literally small steps will get you to whatever goal you're trying to accomplish but it's that way for everything and you know candace just goes out there and sets these gigantic goals for herself like hey i think i'm going to design a 200 mile race or hey i think i'm going to design three 200 mile races right and those are gigantic and those are so those involve so many different little things that she has to do um but to be able to do that day after day after day um in order to achieve these goals like that to me is kind of like the definition of endurance like it doesn't matter what obstacles are thrown your way you're adaptable and you're overcoming them and that's what i really really kind of look up to her for and not only race directing, but she has this gigantic goal she's been working on for the last few years, and that is to go out and set the Arizona Trail FKT, which is like an 800-mile uh, trail. At one point, you go through the Grand Canyon. It sounds bonkers. Um, and last year, she was out there giving it her best shot right when covid kind of shut down the country um so i wanted to hear about that and you know that obviously probably wasn't an easy decision like 100 or 200 miles into a run um so i wanted to hear about that and i wanted to hear about what lessons she learned from that failed attempt that will ultimately help her be successful uh when she gives it her next shot right um So yeah, I'm very excited to share this episode with you guys. I hope you learn as much from Candice as I have. Uh, She's absolutely incredible. So let's get right into it. This is Like a Bigfoot podcast number 236 with Candice Burt. 
I have to say this before we get into this. I did the East Coast, West Coast challenge that you and Jason Green put on. And I am very sorry because in the middle of the challenge, I took like a 40 minute break to drink coffee and eat pickles because my buddy showed up with an aid station. And I was like, oh, I'm not helping the West Coast out right now. And then we got spanked. So sorry. We got spanked bad. I, I was like, wow, there, I mean, I think being on the West Coast, we kind of forget about the East Coast because they don't have any cool races, you know? And, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there because we got spanked so bad. But no, it makes me wonder, like, maybe I should be putting on some races over there. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. Like what I was I was curious about this. What state would you that you don't have a race in already? Like what state are you like, oh, that would be a cool place to go? Well, I think um, I, I am somewhat limited by the states I've really explored uh, because I think every state probably has amazing races you could put on. Um, but uh, right now I'm working on some stuff in Tucson, Arizona. And then, um, oh, I guess I already have a race in Utah. Obviously. But more <laughs> just a, just Utah. a small, a tiny race in like, Utah. There's that. What, what was I doing in Utah? Oh yeah. The Moab 240. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. I guess for now, Arizona or Colorado would be awesome. Heck yeah. Um, what are you guys going to do? East coast, West coast again? Is that going to be a thing this like every year? Is that just like a 2020 virtual, you know, kind of deal? I, I think it'd be fun to do again. I mean, we were sort of wondering about that. We wanted to do something in person, but I think that we're still sort of in the COVID boat. So I think that doing the virtual challenge would probably be good. And then maybe next year, um, Jason has so many ideas. This is one of his great qualities, so many ideas. And so we've been talking a little bit about kind of what we could do. Um, he's like, I want to do, you know, a 200, but he's like, you have to be there. And I was like, I already have three 200s. Like, no, thank you. He's like, no, just come. And you could be, uh, no. <laughs> so we'll see what, what we come up with, but I'm sure that, um, he's a great guy. And, uh, I'm sure that between the two of us, we can come up with something in person too in the future. So yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be cool. What kind yeah. of, uh, what kind of feedback did you get? Cause I know for me personally, that was my, first virtual race and at first going into it i was like man i don't know how i'm gonna like this i don't know if this is something i'm gonna enjoy but as i found myself on the day it was actually really cool like i gotta create my own route i gotta be like somewhat like a mini race director right like i gotta make my own route tried to do something meaningful to me. Um, I got to take my sweet sweet time at the aid stations like i don't know i thought it was actually <laughs> yeah. kind of cool <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think that for April and May and even June, like uh, virtual races were such a welcome break from our usual training routine or something to motivate us. But like you said, I think I think some people too, you know, they didn't quite realize how much was going to have to go into it. And so you kind of put it off until yeah. like, oh, the cutoff is coming. Because I think I did, I had decided, I was going to do the East versus West. I was going to do the 50K. And then my coach was like, what are you doing? Like, you're not ready to race a hard 50K. So I did the 10K on the last possible day, <laughs> which ended up being a good competitive strategy because then I could just beat the time. Yes. That, yeah. The, the only beat the, the fastest time there. So it was kind of funny because um, I got to experience as well. That was my first virtual race as well. And um, yeah, I actually thought, 
it was really cool, but it has its limitations. You yeah. know, um, most of us, I think, want somebody else to do kind of some of the setup work so we can just go and put everything out there. Um, yeah, there was definitely yeah. the aspect of like having to figure out, like I had to call my buddy up and be like, hey man, can you meet me at seven in the morning at this one parking <laughs> lot? Um, so otherwise I'm not gonna be able to like refill my water, you know, basically. Right. Yeah. But I personally found it way more enjoyable than I ever thought. So thank you for putting that on. And thanks to Jason, even though you guys like kicked our ass. So, <laughs> but I started trail running on the East coast. So I was like, Oh, I kind of feel, I kind of feel like, you know, respect for him, you know? Yeah. I, they definitely earned it. Like they came out full force and I have to say like, I'll give it to the East coasters. I feel like when it comes to a competition, they kind of step it up a little more. Like oh, yeah. they're a little more aggressive about competing than I, West coast were like a little too laid back to, <laughs> <laughs> to have the same, or at least that's what it seemed like. So when, when we started to lose, we were like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> all good. Whatever. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I did want to have you on, like, I wanted to hear about your 2020. I know there were, major ups, downs, all arounds, all that stuff. Um, I know that you actually went out and attempted your Arizona trail FKT. Yeah. And in the midst of it is when basically the country got shut down on quarantine. And then you had to make the decision to like call it in the middle of it. Like, what was that like? It, it was, um, gosh, it's, it's just so hard to even start to explain what it was like. Cause it was, you know, COVID, so I started on the actual FKT on March 15th, which meant I had to leave. I left my house on March 11th. And I remember seeing something on the news about Trump was like closing the borders. I was like, wow, this is really getting intense. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of early March. I remember seeing other race directors talking about like uh, dealing with food at aid stations. And I was just kind of in sh like I just didn't believe this was something that was going to be um, something we would have to deal with and so um, part of the issue for me was I had a race scheduled uh, that Crystal was race directing in early April and so she was doing that all kind of without me and so there was this this all the business stuff and we had the orchestra races in May and then knowing my kids my kids were with their dad but it was still like what's going on and how serious is this I'm out here on the trail like should I be with my kids and so yeah. it really made it difficult uh, to focus on doing the FKT I think if if I didn't have children I think it, I could have probably let work go and let Crystal made those decisions but it was it was the amount of pressure and I made the best decision I could for myself, which was, I just didn't feel right continuing when I wasn't really sure what was going on. And it seemed to be a lot more serious than I thought. Um, at least, you know, with, there were so much reactions going on at that time. And I think we still are trying to figure out how serious it is yeah. in terms of um, there's a lot of information out there. And I think that, you know, we'll have hindsight, probably in a few years to look back and say, this is what we should have done. And, and so, you know, we're still looking back like that and we're still looking forward wondering what the right things to do are. So I ultimately what kind of made things start buzzing in my head, there were two things. One was um, we were aware that the Grand Canyon was probably going to close. 
And that started weighing on me because that was the last like 100, 150 miles, or maybe it was just like you hit the Grand Canyon and there's basically like 100 or 150 miles. I can't remember which it was. And we were a few, we were probably like 300 miles, maybe 250 in when we realized this was going to severely impact. We probably couldn't make it in time. And so I had my crew kind of watching that because we figured that there was no point in pushing all the way to there and getting cut off. Yeah. And, and people were telling me, they're like, oh, you know, there's other ways you could get through or, and I was like, well, I'm doing a public FKT. Like I can't just go break the rules. You <laughs> yeah. know? I'm not just somebody on a through hike. So it's, it's important that I represent um, the community and my sponsors and, you know, morals and ethics. And so if the trails close, the trails close. So uh, I, I kind of um, realized too, uh, it, the other piece was uh, an 800 mile FKT is not an ultra marathon. It just, it, it, it was kind of came as a surprise to me. And to you, you're probably like, well, yeah, that's like, it's, it's an ultra, ultra marathon. It's a through hike. It's more <laughs> of a through hike. So I came at it with an ultra marathon um, perspective. And so what I learned in these two, three, 400 miles was that, I could come back and be more successful, even with what I had learned, you know, only doing um, a little under half the route. So it kind of all felt right that, okay, let's, let's end this. You're going to um, know exactly how to train for next year. Of course, I'm not doing those things, but <laughs> yeah, but, but like, I kind of realized like I could come back and be more successful. You know, too many things are going the wrong way for this to end up the way yeah. I want it anyway. So I called it and then they closed the Grand Canyon. And so it kind of helped me feel better about going back home. But, you know, seeing my kids and realizing like, I mean, that comes first always, right? Kids, work, and then, you know, the, these fun FKTs. <laughs> <laughs> you so, did she did quotation marks in case you didn't see fun, that. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> um it, yeah, it was it was fun and, and horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to hear about the horrible times, you know. Uh but at the same time, can you can you distinguish like what did you learn like distinguish between an ultra and a backpacking event? So I would, uh, I would say that um, an ultra um, is usually something you're going to push through and, uh, and then sleep. In, um, although there's races like a 200 miler wh where you may take shorter naps. I felt like the backpacking slash uh, multi-day kind of thing that I had gotten myself into, it was just long enough that starting out with massive lack of sleep um, yeah. and pushing too hard in the first week was something that for me personally was too much of a mental burden to push through the second week. So coming at it um, again, I'm going to start out easier um, in the first week and kind of build that momentum um, and then push harder in the second. So I think I just came in with a little bit uh, my goal was bigger than I think I was prepared for mentally. I know I, I can do it. So I wanted to do it in 12, 13 days. Um, and that would be about a hundred K a day. I also didn't realize 
how tough the Arizona trail was. I was like, Arizona's flat. It's like a desert. You know, I had, I just didn't know. Cause I'd, I'd only done like Flagstaff North and a little bit from Pine up toward Flagstaff. And that is a lot flatter, but it turns out there are mountain ranges the entire way, all the way um, up uh, to Phoenix. And so I was hitting mountain range after mountain range. And it became this issue where um, there was snow going to hit Mount Lemmon in Tucson, right? Tucson, Arizona, where it's supposed to be sunny year round. We're going to be at 9,000 feet and a snowstorm was coming. So we had to rush a few days and get lack of sleep to try to get through that area before the snow hit. And we ended oh, up hitting, yeah, so we hit the top of the mountain right when the snow hit. And I think this was only a few hundred miles in, um, and then had to trek this whole like half marathon ridge line that was just covered in snow and it, you know in the middle of the night because the rv had to get down they had met us up at the top of the mountain and kicked me out from sleeping my crew was like you need to get going because we aren't sure if we can get the rv down the mountain wow. if we don't leave now so there was all this kind of stuff that i had not anticipated you know in terms of the challenge and now kind of looking at it um i i think i can take all that and be like, okay, all this crazy stuff's going to happen. Be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Just prepare for the unknown at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's 50 miles a day, I think is just a lot harder than it sounds um, when it's more than a few days. So it's like, it, it, I think it's pretty doable in a 200 miler when, you know, in four days, but when you yeah. have to do that for two weeks, um, and I was wanting to do 62 miles a day. So 12 more than that. It just becomes like kind of things take longer than you realize. And you start taking longer than you should for things that used to be faster, like just getting up in the morning and like wrapping blisters and stuff like that. It was just like, I was taking way too long. You just said 50 miles a day. Doesn't yeah. sound that long. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That sounds really, really, really long. <laughs> it's, it's pretty long. Yeah. I heard but too, I mean... the beginning of the Arizona trail is actually, I've heard this from people who have done the, the bike packing, like Arizona trail race. And they say that first part of it is just a lot harder than people expect. And that kind of like tears their soul down a little bit and makes it harder to continue. Yeah, it, it, um, it was and it wasn't, you know, since I was fresh, uh, yeah. it seemed to be easier, but, um, looking back there just wasn't any, any place that I could kind of get more miles, um, each day than I hoped. So I was hitting just the minimum of what I wanted to hit each day. And mentally it was getting me a little down. Cause I was like, Oh, I got, uh, you know, I only hit this. I'm not ahead of myself. I wanted to kind of be ahead. So I think it's almost better to be like, try to get, you know, a little bit, have your goal be a little bit lower maybe, and then you feel better. So you're kind of working your own mind a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, but I couldn't have known that. I don't think without actually going out there and realizing it, you know, on foot on the trail. Yeah. No, I think it's cool too, that this has kind of become like a multi-year quest for you. <laughs> I don't know if you think that's cool, but I think it's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so the year before I was going to do it, but uh, this, I didn't even get out there the year before, but I got all the supplies. So, so in 2019, I was all set to do it. I, my training was like perfect. I ran the hurt. I did yeah. well at the hurt 100. And then I 
went out and ran Delirious West 200 miler and killed it out there. But then I, I somehow got an injury and uh, I pulled my calf probably in the 200 miler, um, but it must've been a, a very um, small injury. So I got back to training and I was like, huh, my calf feels sore. That's weird. Didn't think too much of it. And it just got worse and worse. So I ended up, um, I was trying to plan the Arizona trail that year, but I kept putting it later into the year until I finally got the MRI and it ended up taking like two months to heal from. It was crazy. Oh man. As someone who has a strained calf right now. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I was going to ask like what, what ultimately helped you? Was it just ultimately just rest and relaxation or? Yeah. So I, I think for, um, I'm the type of person who's kind of trying to do stuff to fix it, but a tear is one of those things that has to, you just have to rest. Um, I think there is like inflammation or um, tendonitis responds really well to massage and and different modalities um, of healing. However, most tears just take time unless we're talking about like a ligament or, um, tendons sometimes. So like I have a hamstring issue I've just had for years because there's little tears on the tendon and those require more physical therapy style stuff. But if you're just talking about like a tear in the muscle, I would let it rest and um, maybe do like light biking or something. For me, I just wanted to stay fit. Um, So I ended up buying um, a nicer road bike upgrading. I had like a 10 year old road bike. I bought a new road bike and I just kind of went at it and forgot about running for a while. Yeah. And so by the time I was able to run, I was kind of sad to give up the bike. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was, I, I think the best thing to do is to find something else to take its place and not keep trying to run, but give yourself a, a more solid period of time to heal And for me, I kind of, I kept thinking I could do the Arizona trail. So the biking was to keep the fitness and I kept testing it, which would aggravate it. So it was this bad cycle. I think when something like that happens and you're planning to do something really big, it's probably better to cut your losses and say, I'm going to schedule it for a time when I know I'm going to be better six months, a year. And then you don't have that pressure on you constantly. Yeah, totally. No, I, that's exactly, I just, you know, it's funny when they recommend rest and relaxation, you're just like, it's not going to, I'm not going to rest all the way, you know? Yeah. Like, come yeah. on. What? <laughs> yeah. I can't <laughs> well, do that. A lot of injuries won't heal with just rest. So yeah. they're, it, it's really, so I used to be a massage therapist and I have a background in um, dealing with injuries, you know, for other people. And so I know that um, if I just rest my hamstring, for example, and start up running in two months, a bunch of flat, the pain's still going to be there. So there's no point in not doing anything. So a lot of injuries, um, and this is good, like if you go to a physical therapist or a massage therapist to kind of um, determine what can be done to heal that, because a lot of things uh, need to be strengthened rather than stretched. So that's something we're learning, I think, more in like the whole physical therapy um, has been pretty aware of that for a while, but as runners, we need to be aware that like a lot of injuries have to do with uh, lack of strength in certain muscles, weakness in certain muscles. Yeah. Honestly, like the strongest my legs have ever felt is after some of my longest weeks. And I'm like, I should feel worse after this. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I try to right tell people then. that and they're like, that's bad advice. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah, everybody's different. And I think um, I've learned from my coach too that uh, men and women tend to uh, be able to handle different levels of um, training mileage too. So men will recover a little quicker. So it is definitely good to not compare ourselves to others like, oh, so-and-so does 100 mile yeah. weeks and does great. Um, and kind of find our own balance, you know, in that mix of like what works for us. Cause I think I've been doing like this year, I've been doing really consistently like 50 to 70 miles a week and it's been awesome. And then I also have time for like all the other stuff I like to do. Yeah. 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 No, that's crazy. I, I wanted to ask you a little bit just about like, just a couple like mindset questions in general. Sure. Um, when you set out to do something like as bold as the Arizona trail. Um, there, there has to be like self doubt in the planning of the event. Like obviously when we're running, we have these moments where we get low and we have self doubt, like during the actual race or the run or whatever. But like, how do you, how do you personally like handle the self doubt just when you're like setting these goals, you know? Yeah, because self-doubt could lead to not even trying, yeah. right? Um, I think that the, you have to really be in love with the process and the the kind of goal um, that you want to do. So being careful to choose um, runs or goals that really excite you, I think is important because then um, doubt isn't as big of a factor because you kind of just want to try it to find out. Um, and doubt often, I think, comes into play when we worry too much about what other people will think. So again, if we're passionate about our goal, if we're passionate about wanting to do this race, then it ends up being less important what other people think. But if we're choosing the goal or the race or whatever to impress people or to prove to them something, I think that the doubts can creep in because ultimately no goal, no race, no amount of success will give us those feelings anyway. So doubts can easily start creeping in when your intentions aren't in line with um, your own self and your own needs. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, and that kind of answered, like, I was going to ask, ask you about like, you're like a pretty public figure in like the world of ultra running. So how do you handle like the doubts of others or just like the weirdness of social media or, or putting yourself out there and then there's the weirdness involved, you know, <laughs> I, it's, oh, it's, cause it has to be strange. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I, sometimes I think too much about it. You know, I think I used to just post whatever I wanted and yeah. And I didn't think too much about it, uh, but now, you know, I'll get people commenting on every different level usually. And a lot of times it's like, wait, why did they interpret what I said that way? Like, I don't, <laughs> that's not what I meant. Or, you know, people will, or they'll take, you'll say something and then they'll take the context of a political context and bring it in or COVID um, and kind of, think you're talking about that. And so this fall and winter has been really weird because I'll say something and somebody's like, oh, are you a, you know, conspiracy theorist? Or it's I'm been like, a very <laughs> sensitive fall and winter, <laughs> especially yeah, online, which is so weird because it's like, you know, people will give you all sorts of encouragement if you actually meet them in person and they get to know you. Yes. But if you post out there something, 
you you might be getting flack whereas normally you're like whoa 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 like that's not <laughs> what i meant that wasn't what i intended at all you know you know i i think one technique um is i mean here's the thing like really as a public figure you you have to reframe things to not take anything personally but at the same time i think that if you're getting cert, a, a lot of comments that are certain kind of way it's also important to look within yourself like why is this happening and and so not to take it harshly but to to kind of um sometimes if there's a lot of negativity coming i think it is helpful to say like why is this happening um yeah. but again like take everybody is coming from their own perspective so nothing in life really is personal until we make it that way so it's that's something that's really helped me because i'll get all kinds of comments mostly lots of positive comments um but uh you know negative ones too for sure and people telling me all sorts of things about myself i'm like what uh, that's not like what <laughs> so it's so crazy because i can look at it and go like that's that's not obviously not personal so the more that it aligns with um insecurities i have in myself the harder it hurts so that's one way that i've been looking at it is like oh if that feels really personal why you yeah. know so instead of say to instead of believing that they somehow know something horrible about me that i believe is true i look at it as like they don't know that it's just hitting a nerve in me because for some reason i have these beliefs about myself so we can use other people their opinions of us to kind of realize how we feel about ourselves and that's a really powerful tool so i think in the end the gift of having so much feedback all the time is learning you know learn more about yourself but you really have to learn to not take it personally in that kind of way and so i've been able to kind of turn some beliefs i had about myself or some insecurities and once you identify them you can let go of them but if you don't even know you have these beliefs about yourself and you just get triggered all the time yeah. then i think it's it's like you you will never uh kind of improve or uh life will never become easier so i think that it, it's a gift in disguise you could say <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice way of putting it though like i didn't even think about that but i just yeah. feel like with especially i mean your 200 mile races and i'm pretty sure i say this every time we've talked but like the 200 mile races have kind of exploded in especially in ultra runner like an ultra running whatever culture whatever you want to say like everyone knows about those races at this point, like the triple crown of 200. It's like, that's incredible. That's like one of the major goals of ultra running. And it just, it does put you in this like weird spotlight where I'm sure at first you're like, I just want to do this race. Like I thought it was cool. And then <laughs> been all sorts of feedback from all sorts of different directions. You have to be like, this is kind of weird now. Crazy. Yeah. It, you know, it is, it's social media has been interesting for me because, um, ever since i got into it it's kind of been something that's been i've been successful at to some degree and so i've seen it grow faster than i would have thought um which again is kind of shocking but the 200s definitely raised that um for me i think especially because we've attracted some athletes even outside the running community it brings more spotlight on so i'll have people sort of coming into this circle that um 
that don't necessarily know me from, you know, back when I first got into ultras, but yeah, it's the two hundreds. Um, I mean, I'll catch myself saying something online like that's uh, not in, Oh, here go uh, the dogs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, all right, now the kids got it. Hopefully they'll come out and deal with it. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. That's what the nice little editing button is for too. Yeah. Oh, so. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it's, um, it's kind of hard because you never know who might come to the door while yeah. you're in a podcast. And <laughs> my dogs definitely love uh, barking at anybody who might come to the door or the cat. Yeah. Oh, I've had so, everything. I've, I, for me personally, like I've had people come to the door and then I have to be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Person who's <laughs> giving me their time of day. And I'm like, hold on. <laughs> so anyways, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know sometimes you have to be like, hold on on the podcast and then go deal with it. Yeah. I've had it though, you know, cause I did the, my podcast for a while. I had it where I would be like, okay, maybe that noise will stop. And then it doesn't. <laughs> and you're like, I guess I should do something about it. And would have just been easier, you know, to deal yeah. with it like five minutes ago. Isn't that such a good life lesson though? Cause I've totally like, like if someone's mic isn't working, but I have my like Midwestern politeness. I'm like, I'm just not going to say anything, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I hear you on that one. Um, but yeah, you were talking about just like where the two hundreds are at now um, in, you know, in this whole journey of where they started from oh yes that's right um uh, so the it's interesting because i knew somehow that uh the top when i came up with the tower 200 that it would eventually be really popular yeah um and so I'm not surprised to see them selling out at this point. I mean, the first Tahoe 200 was in 2014. So I think that was really right right at the timing when 200s, um, it was just kind of perfect for them. Because I think if it had been 10 years earlier, uh, people would, it, I feel like people would have done them, but hundreds were still like, being explored at that time more. And I think that there's a lot, there's a whole generation of ultra runners who've been doing hundreds for a while and yeah. they are so excited to get into something that now feels like what hundreds used to feel like that old school kind of um, vibe and they can come in and there's not the same, I think, pressure uh, that you kind of can feel in some hundreds now where it's just all about racing. I think with the two hundreds, it still feels like this really big adventure you're not sure if you can attain. And so it's kind of like these, you know, people in their 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s are who've been doing hundreds for a while are really loving it. And we're seeing younger and younger people doing it too. You know, with the influence of people like David Goggins and Cameron Haynes, um, I feel like have really opened up the world of like ultra ultras to a younger generation who are looking to um, them for inspiration. So that's been really cool to see like, you know, 21 and, and 25 year olds. And um, I even had uh, some teenagers who wanted to do them wow. and I had to kind of set, yeah, I had to decide that like, okay, we're just going to do 18 or older. Cause that, you know, as somebody with teenagers who would, never do a 200, <laughs> but who like knowing that their mental mind state at that age and what's required often in a 200, I just couldn't imagine like a 14 year old or a 15 year old being out 
in the middle of nowhere lost, you yeah. know, like they're not going to have the same experience or ability, I feel like to survive something like that. Um, so I just couldn't like, I didn't want that responsibility. Yeah. Well, I know my friend, uh, Thomas Mullins, he said when he did the Tahoe 200 and that was when that snowstorm hit with oh, like yeah. 20 miles to go or whatever, maybe 30 miles, but it was right at the end of the race. And a bunch, a bunch of people had to drop out because they got up into the mountains and hypothermia it like came in and it's in what, like July or something. It's in September. Oh, September. Okay. So that's like reasonable, like that, that could be a possibility, but, but his whole thing is like, you have to have the experience and you have to be able to be adaptable and know how to handle that because your brain just isn't working at that point, you know, (laughs) as well as it's normally working. Well, and that's why, so when I first started the two hundreds, I had uh, mandatory gear like, you know, the Europeans will have mandatory gear for much shorter races, but, you know, as, as a American, I felt like there was this feeling like, I want to leave it up to the individual to yeah. decide what they need. There is this kind of like innately, I feel like in us to some degree, we uh, respect and value that individuality. But one thing I realized with these kind of races is that we would have people traveling from far enough away that they didn't necessarily know enough about the different conditions of the different 200s to know this was a this was a gear they should be carrying so we decided to finally make the last few years mandatory gear that everybody would need almost certainly um or that would save them if they got injured out there potentially to make it through like the night or something so we made the mandatory gear just really um smart stuff that if they weren't carrying it, they should be anyway, basically. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. It's just, it's really interesting how your races have evolved just, you know, since you started them. Um, I wanted to, so you see this, so I've been thinking like playing with this idea for a while. Uh, but it's the idea of like, rather than doing like a new year's resolution or whatever that you'll give up in a couple weeks. Cause that's how those, those usually work. Um, you've been around a lot of people who have set these like audacious goals. <laughs> so yes. my, my idea is like, instead of doing new year's resolution, why don't you choose an audacious goal or audacious goal for 2021 and then work towards it? Because a lot of those things you would do for your resolution, you'll probably have to do anyways to like reach your goal if you're setting it big enough. So when you're seeing all these people set these giant goals of like a 200 mile race, what are some of the things they have in common with each other? I think that um, these are the kind of people who want to push and see where human limitation is. And I think that when you do that, it allows you to kind of go back to your normal life and to have a greater ability to kind of expand even into that, whether it be, you know, your business. Um, I, I believe that expanding your physical abilities expands everything else um, because our body, mind, spirit is so interlinked. They're not separate little things. And so when I think that's why so many athletes and endurance athletes too are successful in so many areas of their life, because they're, they're kind of using this one way of expanding to also expand within all these other, you know, their business and, um, 
in even, you know, their family life and this kind of thing and being able to juggle these different needs and goals at the same time. And then coming back, you know, from this endurance goal with a new appreciation for like all these little things that we all take for granted. Like, Oh, that's a really cold cup of water. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah. or like a bed feels so good because <laughs> it's easy. Like you look at, you take a person off the street and they, they can't necessarily appreciate all these things they do every day. Like somebody who just spent four days out on a trail sleeping on a rock or, you know, eating like a cold breakfast burrito and then, you know, you come home and you've got this huge fridge of options. So I think that, I think that these events really make everything else in our life more valuable and, and successful. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of like intentionally, intentionally suffering a bit, um, for that gratitude, you know, because you're right. Like, yeah, I'm in my heated house right now and I have a sweatshirt. Like I'm comfortable, you know, but but I can appreciate it more because there's moments and, and times where I've gone out and like been really uncomfortable or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a weird thing, but I think that there's like a primal need to have some extremes in our lives because when everything's sort of the same um, and even, you know, even when you're living, I feel like to some degree um, in poverty in this country, it's still not as bad as in some countries, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of people, like most people will still have electricity. Uh, not everybody, certainly, but, but I still think that there's a lot of um, things that we take for granted, no matter how good our life is. So yeah, ultras can allow us to kind of go back and um, live more fully. Yeah. Yeah. And then this other idea I've been playing with, and I really am curious to hear your thoughts on this because it's something I've been really trying to figure out how it falls into my life, but it's the idea of like having ambition, but also like balancing that with contentment, you know, like I feel like if I'm too ambitious, then I'm never content with where I'm at, like right here in this moment. But at the same time, I can't just be completely content without any ambition at all. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's this spectrum and I've been trying to figure out like where I fall on that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, that is kind of, and you're a yeah, very I ambitious love, person that. is why I wanted to bring that up with you. <laughs> That's such a great question. Cause I feel like I'm just like, yeah, how, wait, how do you balance it? <laughs> Tell me, Chris, tell me how you do know. it. I don't know. I don't know. Like I just spent all morning, you know, I'm on my break. Like this is uh, my winter break. And I spent yeah. all morning working on a project that is really just for fun and something I want to do. And, but I feel like I need that in my life in order to be content in other areas, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it is kind of the conundrum that ambitious people have yeah. because, and it, and it probably depends to some degree, like, I think my ambition tends to be, my ambition tends to be higher than my need for contentment. Um, but I, you know, I had somebody tell me, and it really, I think about it a lot that they're like, you're so restless. And I was like, at first I was like, ah, whatever. And I was like, yeah, kind of am. And it, <laughs> I do, I do think one thing to look at is, are you doing things 
out of like, uh, is this going to add up to the goals that you want? Or are you doing certain things out of compulsion as well? Because I think too, in ultra running, you see a lot of athletes who will just compulsively um, do a certain number of miles each week or certain workouts or certain distance races. Um, so it's almost like a, an issue that we kind of, uh, that can get in our way. Because if you're, if you're being too compulsive about things, you're not looking at what actually needs to be done. Um, and I think if you take the compulsion out of it, you'll have more time for the contentment too. So that's something that I've realized about myself as somebody who would be like, okay, this race offers a hundred mile, 50 mile, 50 K. Well, I'm just going to immediately do the hundred miles because that's <laughs> the longest. It's like, yeah. well, what actually fits better into my goals for the future? Cause if this isn't a goal race and it's a training, more of a training run, then maybe the 50 K is better or the 50 miles. So yeah. my coach has helped me open that up. And I think that outside people can help those of us who are really ambition, uh, ambitious, uh, kind of balance that out. Cause sometimes I think we do too much and a lot of it's not going toward those goals. So one thing I started last night, um, it's the end of the year. And I think it's a great time for, for everybody to kind of look at like writing, actually writing down, like, what do I want to accomplish in 2021? And where is this going to go, you know, for me future on, like, what am I building? Am I building? And I was looking at it as a business, like, am I building a product or a brand and how does yeah. that play into um, the future of the company? Cause like currently we have a bunch of races, you know, so these are kind of, you could say products, right? So if we were going to move out of just offering something like products, like what other areas of um, what is destination trail really? So I've kind of, I'm trying to look at more of the big picture and I think this is a great time. 2020 has been crazy. Like <laughs> what is a big picture we want? Yeah, because we can, to some degree, like use what's happened to us to um, be more successful rather than to kind of be sad about what we've lost. Because we certainly lost a lot human lives. We've lost businesses. We've lost friends. You know. So I I kind of am trying to figure out like where do I want to go and where do I start and if I don't write that down it's gonna just stay out in the ethers somewhere yeah or for me like it just stays in my head and then I dwell on it but if I like actually just write it down I'm like oh it's out of my head now I don't have to worry about it there's my contentment you know like it's true yeah well and it's interesting too like there's so much that we've lost and yet there has been so many opportunities just because it's been such a weird, different year. Like it's just taken the paradigm of where we have been. And it's just like, oh, and throw that paradigm out the window. Here's a completely different one. But there are opportunities within it, you know, just like your virtual challenge, for example. Like that was something you probably would have never even considered or thought about until you had to, you know. Yeah, it's, it's totally true. I never thought I would do a virtual race, but it kind of came down to like, this is what people were wanting. And so how can we come up with an idea that's going to be interesting to people? And so we've had virtual races now from, you know, that first East coast versus West coast all the way through current, we're developing a new one right now for the new year. And so it's been kind of fun to come up with new ideas that don't depend on certain locations. Yeah. So, you know, we, with, 
our replacement for the Tahoe 200, we did Tahoe Tessie. So we've been playing with like uh, make-believe creatures. Tahoe Tessie <laughs> is the serpent that lives in Lake Tahoe. So instead oh. of holding the Tahoe 200, we had um, a mythical creature 200 miler. So we're kind of playing with like, I've never been able to have like a sea serpent be a mascot for a race, but it was yeah. fun. It was a fun thing to do. That's awesome. I mean, as someone who obviously enjoys mythical creatures, you know. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw, I can't remember who it was. Someone on Twitter posted like, isn't it, isn't it weird how like there's all sorts of different race companies that have like Bigfoot or Sasquatch or Yeti or whatever. And then I commented under it. I was just like, uh, yeah, I don't really get it. I don't understand. And it just said like a Bigfoot. But I was proud of myself for the stupid, stupid joke there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think with, you know, with the Bigfoot and the Yeti, it plays into obviously our yeah. love for uh, the outdoors and getting lost and how the outdoors are kind of this um, mystery, you know, that we want to keep exploring. So yeah. it makes sense to me. Oh man, I love it. All right, last thing I want to talk to you about real quick. Uh, you tweeted something. I think maybe this actually brought up the ambition idea in my mind, but uh, you said the curse of success may be realizing how much further you could still go. And that I was like, whoa, oh man. Because <laughs> like even the most successful people in all sorts of different areas, they're probably still like, what can I do next? What comes next? What do I do? What do I do now? And yeah, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. I thought it was, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of what I struggle with to some degree. Um, again, contentment, ambition, <laughs> you know, because it's easy to, to get to where you always wanted to be and not easy to get there, but you know, you get there, right. You eventually yeah. get there. And it doesn't seem like this big thing because you took a million steps to get there. So you kind of saw it coming. But there, there does have to be, I think, a little period of time where you kind of pat yourself on the back and enjoy where you are, whatever that may be. You know, you completed this race, take some time off and enjoy it. You know, don't yeah. just jump back into training for something else. And that will allow you to uh, recover. Like, had I done that after delirious west that first year i wanted to do the arizona trail i might not have really hurt my calf so yeah. i think that there is a lesson in life in that um i think that when you come to this recognition of like whoa i'm there i'm where i wanted to be like sit in it you know enjoy it for a little bit and then get back to work because yeah. to not get back to work to become complacent in life is to never realize your potential. And at some point though, we all are gonna die and have to stop this journey. But I think that for those of us who have drive, um, we really are the lucky ones, I feel like. I mean, maybe we don't feel as much contentment, but there's something about the chase of that goal that is so rewarding, you know? Oh, it's all about the chase of it. That's, I mean, yeah. that is, and I do think you do learn that from ultra marathons for sure. Cause you get to the finish line, you're like, yeah, it's the finish line. But like, when you think back to it yeah. a week later, you're not really thinking about the finish line. You're thinking about everything else that went into it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like when you love the chase and you love the process, then you get to enjoy every day because yeah. it's part of like, it's really part of the final 
goal anyway. So you might as well get out there and love each, you know, each day. Uh, I mean, I think it's, I think it's one of the wonderful gifts of, uh, of having big goals is kind of um, seeing how they add each day adds up toward that. Heck yeah. I love that. I love that. Where can people uh, follow along your journey and when, if you, if you know this already, when are you starting uh, the Arizona trail? Um, well, people can follow, uh, I should probably update it, but, uh, my <laughs> website, everybody says that, right? I was like, I'm saying this. I know everybody says this to Chris. Well, you can follow me here, but I should probably, anyway, it's candacebert.com, but I do probably post the most on, uh, Twitter and Instagram. So that's, uh, at run Candace on Twitter and at run Candace run on Instagram. Actually, if you follow run Candace run on Twitter, uh, this woman will probably forward you to me because she's had it happen to her so many times. I have two different handles for the two. <laughs> so it's like this, this other woman whose name is Candace yeah. has run Candace run on Twitter and That's people amazing. are always following her. Yeah. You so should, fun. you should give her a free entry to a race. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, I know. Or she should just give me that handle. I mean, come on. <laughs> just kidding. It's <laughs> a that, funny little side thing. But you had it. What was your other? What when? Uh, when are you gonna take on the Arizona Trail? So uh, late March uh, okay. will probably be the start. Yeah. So it right now it's kind of haven't picked an exact day, but but I'm gonna go back then. And I'm actually about headed in January. I'm gonna spend time in Arizona and hopefully a little bit into February and actually get out on some of those trails and That's awesome. be able to train where I'm at, where I live uh, in Washington, there's snow everywhere. So it's yeah. a little hard <laughs> to get in the long runs I need. So I'm excited to run in the desert next yeah. month. You got the same crew joining you? Um, I have to kind of decide if, so after doing it um, crude, I did kind of feel like maybe I want to try it, um, by mailing stuff to myself. So oh, self-supported. Yeah. yeah. Because I think in some ways, like when I have a crew, I just, you know, feel like I, I, what's the right word. I don't think I can swear on your podcast. But... You can swear. Yeah. You can totally okay. swear. I feel like sometimes when there's other people around, I become more of like a whiny bitch. <laughs> and so I'm trying to, like, I feel like if it's just me, then I have to be forced to like suck it up a little bit. There's more. no one so... to whine to. Exactly. So I'm like, you know, if I have to get to the city to pick up my package at this day and this time, you know, it's all on me. So I, I kind of am leaning toward doing that for this year, something different, and then a, and possibly coming back with crew. But it is really a lot of work to do it with crew as well. Because yeah. if you're doing it right, like you have to plan so much out. So I think there's a part of me that's like, I'm not sure. I mean, 800 miles accruing. It's a lot. That's a lot. And there's a lot of uh, energy spent on like communication, you know? Yeah. Like, cause ultimately you're the one planning the event. So you're have to make sure they understand like where to go and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that was a a place that we could have improved on more. Um, I had Adam was doing, figuring out the crewing as we went and it, it was amazing how well he was able to do that. But he was calling, um, there's different people that cover different parts of the trail. So he's calling them and he's looking at these maps. And <laughs> I mean, it was just like a crazy amount of work for the crew too. So I, yeah, I guess I have to make that decision really soon, but I'll either do it crude or self-supported. Uh, 
end of March. So. That's awesome. Well, best of luck. Seriously, like we'll be Thank rooting you. for you for sure. Um, and I'd love to hear the story once you kick its ass, completely kick its yes. ass. So. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely am hoping to do that in March, but either way, it's going to be uh, a good story for sure. Hey, that's the best part. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's a totally. process, right? <laughs> Heck yeah. And, and so, um, we, last time we talked, we talked about two hundreds. Is that something that's still on your radar? It is. It definitely is. And, um, I've never done a hundred, but for oh, whatever yeah. reason, 200 yeah. sounds more appealing. Like I like the multi-day being able to sleep even just for a little bit. Like I like that idea. Right. Um, I have a goal this year and, I'm not, I'm still trying to like work through it, but before I share it on the podcast, but I definitely have something I'm working towards. So I don't know if this year will work. Um, I bet, I think I have some friends that are going to sign up for Moab though. And so cool. I'm hoping to go out and maybe crew them possibly or help them out. So hopefully you I'm know, out there. You could do your first hundred miler crewing or pacing at Moab. There you, so go. there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll put that one in the, in the brain there. <laughs> and every, every, uh, hundred miler you do after that will be easier because you can go at your own pace. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I helped a buddy. He ran like 45 miles for his 45th birthday. And I was like, Oh, we'll, we'll run a lot slower than we normally do on like our six mile runs and no he just took off i'm like oh my gosh i can't even keep up and he's doing oh, no. 45 today and i only ran like 10 with him but anyways yeah yeah like <laughs> fuck that <laughs> see now that you let me swear on your podcast it's gonna be open, open season a, open a can of worms uh awesome well yeah. candace thank you for coming on the show and yeah we'll get we'll catch up with you again sometime soon yeah. Thank you so much, Chris. And yeah. Uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what your big project is and um, <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. No but pressure. But yeah, take care. Thanks yeah, for Yeah, you too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this week's episode. Huge thanks to Candice for coming on. Uh, if you missed any of her previous episodes, uh, I would highly suggest going back and listening to them. They're always I always, you know, am fascinated <laughs> by my conversations with her. She is, like I said, just incredible. So um, hope you guys enjoyed that one uh, as much as I did. Hopefully you're out there actually setting your uh, audacious goals for 2021. Um, you know, it's scary. Like I, I, I think sometimes when you come up with these ideas of something you want to accomplish, it's almost scary to like say it out loud. It's almost scary to like put it out there. Um, and I'm with you, man. Like, <laughs> because then for whatever reason, it like makes it real, right? You're like, oh man, I just said that. Like the words came out of my mouth. Like I have, apparently I'm gonna make this real now. Um, and so that's what I've been practicing this week. I've been telling people my goal, um, I'll tell you guys my the project I'm working on um, probably in a few weeks or a month, like we're trying to get some ducks in a row first um, before we kind of, you know, kind of say what we're working on. Um, but I realized this this week. Um, it was my birthday this week uh, and I was like overwhelmed, you know, with friends and family and students <laughs> some of my students said happy birthday uh i told them i was 78 um but i was kind of overwhelmed with just like 
the like positivity, right? Cause you know, I do the podcast every week and I'm hoping that it's like spreading goodness and helping people out. And, you know, and I'm just hoping to have a positive effect on people's lives, especially the people close to me. Um, so it was, a, it was, it was cool. It was, but I was overwhelmed in a, in a weird way. Um, but I realized this too. I'm like, man, I, I have this like, I think I have this like hang up a bit about asking for help if I need it. Um, I don't know why I, I always joke that it's like a Midwestern thing, right? Like we're just, we don't want to be a bother. I don't want to be a bother. Oh, sorry. Don't want to be a bother here. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if that's true. That's always my, uh, my go-to, but, uh, but I realized I'm like, man, why do I, why do I, uh, have this hang up of like asking people for help if I need it. Right. Um, and so I was thinking about my project that I'm working on and I'm like, man, you know, it might help if I got some like feedback from the podcast, right? Like if people gave me some feedback, then I might be able to use that feedback to like make this thing I'm working on even better. Um, and I'm like, man, what's the holdup? Like why? Cause I don't, I never do the thing. Like I try not to do the thing, maybe not never, but I try not to do the thing every episode where I'm like, Hey guys, like go to iTunes and like leave a review and stuff like that. Um, probably cause that would have been my pitch and that sounded really dumb. <laughs> leave a review and whatnot. Uh, come on. Um, but so this is me saying it would be awesome to have feedback on the podcast. Um, I, I think one of my big things is like, what if I ask for feedback and like nobody replies, like nobody gives me feedback and I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that's like the biggest fear. I was trying to figure out like, what am I, what's my hang up here? Um, but yeah, guys, if you, if you want and you don't have to, obviously, uh, but but I would appreciate some feedback on the show. Um, I've I've really enjoyed doing it, and I and I love doing the podcast. Um, I know there's definitely ways to improve it and things like that. So yeah, and if you ever have any guests that you're like, hey, like it would be super cool if he tried to reach out to this person, um, let me know. Shoot me a message. Um, you can find just look up like a Bigfoot. Send me a message. Um, I would, whenever someone messages me about like, Hey, this guest would be cool. I always at least try to reach out, uh, to that person. So, um, yeah, if you guys have any suggestions, um, it's going to be a good year. I'm excited. Uh, let's all be like Candace and just set our minds to accomplish like the biggest and craziest and awesomest stuff we can think of. All right. That's all I got this week. We'll catch up with you guys next week. See ya.